does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hour number two, Indiana Sports Talk Network, Indiana. I'm Derek Schultz, steering the ship tonight, along with Kylan Talley and Eddie Garrison. Speaking of Eddie, he's got a brand new top hour update for you right now. Thank you, Derek. It's a pleasure to be with you and Kylan Talley tonight in a beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Let's start things off with some Major League Baseball from today. The Detroit Tigers collectively pitched a no-hitter the ninth time and franchise history that the team has pitched a no-hitter. 2-0 win for the Tigers as well. And the only scoring they did in this game, that came in the bottom of the second inning. Spencer Tuckleson doubled that scored Shane Green and his or Riley Green in his return after being activated off the injured list after dealing with a couple of different injuries. And then Kerry Carpenter tripled right after Torkelson that scored Torkelson. So those are the only two runs for the Tigers, and that's all they needed to defeat Kevin Gosman. Matt Manning, he started, he went six and two-thirds, walked three and hit two batters, but he struck out five. The Tigers are now 39 and 49. The Blue Jays dropped to 49 and 41. Rubber match is set for tomorrow afternoon. The New York Yankees and the Chicago Cubs it was game two from New York. Tomorrow will be the rubber match and that's because the Yankees topped the Chicago Cubs six to three behind Giancarlo Stanton. He was two for three today with a pair of home runs. He drove in three and Harrison Bader drove in two. On the Chicago side of things, Mike Talkman hit a home run and drove in two. Nico Horner drove in the other run. Drew Smiley got the start, six hits across four innings, and he gave up four runs. Chicago now 41 and 47. The Yankees are 49 and 41. The St. Louis Cardinals, Chicago White Sox last night. The White Sox overcame a 5 to nothing deficit to win 8-7. to seven. Today, they got shut out 3 to nothing from the Cardinals. Miles Michaelis, he went seven innings. He struck out six batters, gave up four hits. Giovanni Gallegos gave up a hit and struck out two in his lone inning of work. And Jordan Hicks picked up his seventh save as he shut the door in the ninth inning. The Cardinals got all of their scoring done in three separate innings in the second, the fifth, and in the ninth inning. Brendan Donovan had an RBI. Jordan Walker had an RBI. And Paul DeYoung all had RBIs for the Cardinals. They are still 15 games under 500 at 37 and 52. The White Sox are 38 and 53. Game three of the three game series. That'll be the rubber match as well is tomorrow afternoon. The most exciting player in baseball right now. Belongs in Cincinnati. He takes off again. Pitch down and in. Fame throw. There's no chance. Well, Two steals. De La Cruz had already looked a couple of times at Brian Anderson, knowing that if he got a jump, he's going home. The throw. He stole home. The best part about that, that's John Sadek on the call with Jeff Brantley on Bally Sports Ohio. The reason why Ellie De La Cruz got on base is because he had a two-out RBI single that scored T.J. Friedel. That gave the Reds a 6-5 to five lead. He then steals second, steals third, and steals home. Yeah, in the same inning. He stole second, then he stole third and home on the same pitch. Ellie De La Cruz becomes the first Reds player since 1919 to steal all three bases in the same inning. His skipper, 
and David Bell. So much fun to watch, so much fun to be a part of, and um, one of those plays that is so rare, I don't even know if it's ever happened, uh, especially on two pitches, the, the steal base like that. I think the, the speed is obvious, right? And um, just elite speed, like like we have, you know maybe have never seen, but also just how heads up it was. I mean, it was. You know, we we actually saw in the dugout he rounded third on a stolen base. You don't ever really see that, so we knew something was about to happen, but uh, we weren't sure. And um, you know, just the heads up, the you know started with getting a big two out hit. We should probably start with that. You know, that was a big difference maker in the game, and then from there it was almost like he was on a mission to to score. The Reds would win the game 8-5. to five. They are back to 10 games over 500 and have a two-game advantage again over the Milwaukee Brewers in the National League Central. They'll wrap up that series tomorrow afternoon. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. It's Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana, wherever you are joining us from. Many of our fine affiliates across this great state. Or maybe you're right here in Indy. 93 WIBC 103. Uh, sorry, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I want to make sure that I get that right. The co-flagship here of Network Indiana. We really appreciate you making us a part of your Saturday night, filling in for the Hall of Famer, Bob Lovell. My name is Derek Schultz, Eddie Garrison on the update desk, Kylan Talley, our producer tonight. The Pacers kick things off, uh, I guess, kind of, sort of, right? 23-24 season, Summer League, if you count that. Debut of at least the young portion of the Pacers. Uh, they do so with a win, 91-83 to 83 tonight over the Wizards. How about this stat line for Jarris Walker? Now, he did struggle shooting the basketball, went just 3 of 14, but 8 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks. Not a bad day at the office. And here's the thing about Jarris Walker. They don't need him to be a frontline offensive player. That's not what Jarris Walker is being brought to Indianapolis to do. What Jarris Walker needs to be is a lockdown wing defender. Rebound, yeah, okay, sure. Do that a little bit. Shoot, yeah, okay. Be competent in that area. Be a competent shooter. Be a guy that people can't leave alone. But for the most part, he's brought in here for what he does on the other side of the floor. And if he's going to stat... If he's going to stuff the stat sheet, I should say like that, 13-5-3, I think you'd take that if you're the Pacers. What will be really interesting for me to see, and we're going to ask this to Alex Golden coming up here fewer than 10 minutes from now. He's going to join us in the next segment of the show of setting the pace. If Jarris Walker is going to be the day one starter at the four, because if it's not him, then it's Obi Toppin? The Pacers don't really have anything there. Now, they could finagle their lineup a little bit, I guess, and and maybe uh, avoid that. But I think there's a chance, if they really like what they see from him so far, that Jarris Walker could be your day one starter. Top 10 pick. Was a really great player at Houston. Uh, I could see it. You know, people talk about experience and things like that. Look, the, the NBA hasn't been like that now in 15, 20 years. You know, you, you get guys at, at 21, 22 years old that are already frontline NBA players. It's not like it used to be. You know, you used to get drafted in the league at 22, 23, and then by maybe 27, 28, that's when you're a frontline NBA player. Guys at 23 are frontline NBA players now. 
So I'm not saying Jarris Walker is going to be a frontline NBA player, but this idea that he can't start from day one because he's, you know, 19 years old, yeah, yeah. If you're good enough to start, just get out there and play. Now, the summer league probably isn't going to tell us that, but the preseason and going through camp and all of that, I, I think, will tell us where Jarris Walker is. Uh, Benedict Matherin led all scores 27 points tonight. Isaiah Jackson with 21. Isaiah Jackson is another one that I'm very, very interested in because unlike Matherin, unlike Nemhard, and, and I think even unlike Jarris Walker, I, I think we know Jarris Walker is going to play and he's going to be a big piece in the rotation. I, I don't know what Rick Carlisle and the Pacers have in store for Isaiah Jackson. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to be. He had a very weird up and down. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out sophomore season last year. Very odd. You know, for all of the the good things that the Pacers did last year and the positive step forward, you know, the the two guys that really kind of took a step back last year, either it was their own fault or it was the, the circumstances surrounding them or some combination of those were the two members of the 2021 draft class, right? Because Chris Duarte came in, made all-rookie, and you're like, okay, sure, Chris Duarte, sweet. He's part of this moving forward. And Isaiah Jackson, much more raw, six years younger than Chris Duarte, but you, you saw some flashes from him early, and you thought the same thing. Okay, Isaiah Jackson, he's part of this thing here moving forward. Well, Chris Duarte's in Sacramento, and Isaiah Jackson, we just don't know. Now, I, I don't, I'm not going to write anything off. I still think he's incredibly talented. I, I just don't know. I don't know what his role is going to be on this team. So Mather and Nemhard, whatever. Like, they, they're too good to be out there <laughs> in Vegas right now. I already know what those guys are. But these other players, Kendall Brown, you know, some of these other two-way guys, Shibwe out of Kentucky. I'm very, very interested to see what they bring to the table here. And what they're going to be. And if there is a role, forget a role, just a roster spot for them. Alex Golden's going to talk all about it next. Host of Setting the Pace. Talk plenty of Pacers. Hour number two on Network Indiana rolls on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's take a look at how the Pacers did in their first summer league game. They played the Washington Wizards out in Las Vegas. They win 91-83. Leading scorer between both teams, Benedict Matherin. He had 27 points, but the efficiency was just not there tonight for Ben. He shot 9 of 21 and 3 of 10 from downtown. Isaiah Jackson had 21 points and 14 rebounds. And the one thing I love about summer league, that there is no fouling out. Isaiah Jackson had eight personal fouls. Eight. Fantastic. Uh, Jairus Walker, in his summer league debut, eight points on three of 13 shooting, made one of his five threes, corralled 13 rebounds, dished out five assists, and he was just great defensively. Three steals and three blocks. Andrew Nimhard, the only other pacer in double figures, he had 14 points. He made his first three shots, and then he went three for nine. The rest of the game, he also dished out eight assists, but with him running the show at the point guard position, he did turn it over eight 
times. Johnny Davis led the Wizards in scoring with 17 points. Next up, the Pacers will play on Monday from Las Vegas in Game 2 of Summer League action. In Minor League Baseball, the Memphis Redbirds defeat the Indianapolis Indians 8-7. They get three runs in the top of the ninth to go from trailing 6-5 to end up winning 8-7 to over the Indians. And the South Bend Cubs fall to the Peoria Chiefs 5-1. to For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Cruising right along. Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana. Derek Schultz filling in for Bob Lovell. Thanks so much for being here. Pacers kick off Summer League in Vegas with a W. Looked a little rocky there in the third quarter. Had a big halftime lead and not a great third quarter, but they hang on to win. That's not what's important here. What's important is the individual performances. Let's talk about some of those with Alex Golden. He is the co-host of Setting the Pace and a great resource when it comes to covering the blue and gold. And he joins us now on the guest line. I love Summer League, Alex, because it, the result doesn't matter, right? You're, you're watching to see individual improvement, progress, or, or even in the case of Jairus Walker, just to see somebody for the first time and what they bring to the table. So I, I've always kind of liked the laid-back nature of it. No, I agree with you. It's fun to see those guys get out there and kind of see how they perform and go up against some of their peers that were drafted in the same draft class and go against guys from the previous draft class as well, trying to prove themselves. So it is pretty cool. I uh, I think it also just gets fans excited. They haven't seen the team for a couple of months. Yeah. Uh, be back in action as well because uh, everyone's excited after the offseason. Is it fair to the rest of the league to unleash Benedict Matherin on everybody? <laughs> I mean, clearly he's graduated this level of basketball, yes? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Benedict Matherin is a starter in the NBA more than likely. So, for him to play summer league, yeah, it's probably not going to last very long. I think he could be done after tonight potentially. But, you know, Keegan Murray played. Some of the other guys played that were on the all-rookie first team last year. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, give him a little bit of a chance to be out there. But I think having a guy like that on the roster, though, it does help maybe a guy like Jairus Walker settle a a little bit more. And maybe they can see Jairus in the role he probably more likely play if you have other guys out there like Mather and Nimhard instead of him being the go-to guy in summer league. Let's talk about Jairus because I, I think really going into tonight, that was the number one storyline. His de facto Pacers debut did not shoot the ball well, but really stuffed the stat sheet in, in other areas. What were your main takeaways from what you saw from the Pacers exciting rookie? Yeah, I think one thing you can tell with Jairus Walker is that he's a defender and has great feel for the game. So, you know, being able to get out five assists, 13 rebounds, which we've been begging for a Pacers four to get double digits and rebounds. Yes, it's just summer league. We always got to preface that. But I think that you can just tell he's got a good feel for the game and he's going to fit in no matter where he's asked to play, whether it's coming off the bench or starting. I think this is a guy that just knows how to play basketball the right way. And he's not a guy that has to look for points himself. He's just going to do the little things that amount to winning. So I think that's what I took away from game one. I'm excited to see him uh, in the next game after getting a little bit of experience under his belt. But, you know, eight points, you're not like, oh, yeah, he's a scorer. But seeing 13 rebounds, five assists, and the blocks and the steals that he had, I mean, just impactful plays throughout the whole entire game. Are you on board with the idea of him starting from day one? It, it appears to me that some people are like completely shut off to the idea that Jairus Walker would start day one, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, what else do they really have at this? I, I don't, I don't see why it's a ridiculous notion that if he makes a lot of progress here in the off season, that Jairus Walker could be your starting four from day one. Yeah, no, that's a great point because we've talked about this a little bit on our podcast, but haven't gone in depth about it, but. 
when you look at a guy like Obi Toppin, who they just brought in, mm-hmm. it does make sense that maybe he does start because he's got the experience on him. And we saw Matherin come off the bench last year and play behind Buddy Hield, kind of earn his way into that position. So I don't know if Carlisle wants to bring him along slowly and kind of let him earn that spot and give Obi the starting spot as well. But I also look at it from this standpoint, Jairus Walker is a better defender than Obi Toppin is. So if they're trying to get better defensively and you think Jairus Walker is your long-term fit at the four, then why not go ahead and start him? I think those two are a lot closer than maybe where Matherin was with Buddy Hill last year and, and the different things that they bring to the table because we know what Buddy does. And I think right now we're still trying to figure out what Obi Toppin can do. So I, I think this is a very fun position battle to kind of watch throughout the offseason and through training camp. So, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if Jairus wins a starting spot, but because of how Carlisle brought Matherin along so slowly, I think that's why my mind just wants to say OB starts and you bring Jairus in kind of slowly behind. But um, if Jairus plays like this, you know, in his rookie season, I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of the starting lineup. Pacers only gave up two twos for Obi Toppin, so I think anything that he does is gravy. That's a that's a price worth paying to take essentially a flyer to see if there's something there with Obi Toppin. But the, the expectations for him kind of go on both ends of the spectrum. I, I I have a lot of Knicks fans in my life, Alex, and and I've got one Knicks fan friend who is completely down on Toppin and thinks he was a bust and a bad pick, and and I have another one that thinks he is just prime Blake Griffin being ready to be unleashed in an up tempo offense. Where do you fare on? on on the spectrum for expectations for Obi Top. I'm assuming you're not expecting him to be prime Blake Griffin, but am I right in saying in an up-tempo offense with somebody like Halliburton, he was just a bad scheme fit for the Knicks and, and appears to be a much better one here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I think there's probably truth in between both statements right there. And that's where it probably will end up. He'll end up being, I think as a player, just because yeah, he's a high flyer and he's a guy that wants to get out and run. And Tom Thibodeau doesn't play basketball that way. And Tom Thibodeau plays the starters 40 minutes a night during the regular season. So Obi Toppin was never going to get, you know, those those minutes probably to kind of learn and grow as a player under under Thibodeau with the Knicks. Um, still got playing time, and there was a lot of Knicks fans that we've had interactions with, um, just talking to them, trying to figure out what their thoughts are. And there were fans that wanted to keep him over Julius Randle, and that some that like you said were ready just to move off because he move off of him because he wasn't producing what they thought a number eight overall pick should be doing. So I think he's I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's a starter in this league or not, but I think we're going to find out because this seems like the perfect fit for his style of play. And Halliburton's excitement to play with him, that does get me a little bit excited just because I think we're going to see Obi Toppin unleashed a little bit this year. But at the same time, I don't know if we're looking at a long-time starter because like we talked about just a few minutes ago, you know, Jairus Walker – is going to be right there in the mix. And I think with what the Pacers need, they probably need more of what Jarris brings and what Obi brings to the table. Nice game for Isaiah Jackson, uh, especially the eight fouls, which I find to be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is kind of a season that he's entering. You know, unlike Andrew Nemhard, we know what he's his role, at least initially, is going to be. We know what Benedict Matherin's going to be. Am I right in saying, Alex, he kind of enters this year with an undefined role? Um, what do you envision? What do you think the Pacers' plans are for Ijax in year three? He's going to have to really prove himself to be a, a reliable big man. And I think the eight fouls, while it's kind of funny, it's also this guy's going to learn how to stay out of foul trouble. Yep. And can he do anything else besides being effective two feet around the basket? Can he develop a jump shot? 
can he be more of an on-ball guy? I don't really think that's who he is. Like, yeah, he can catch lobs too, but I do worry about him. I think his size, he's kind of in between a four and a five, not truly big enough to be a five because uh, he's still pretty thin, in my opinion. He's added muscle for sure, but compared to a guy like Jalen Smith, who's on the roster, I think Jalen is a little bit beefier than him up top. So I think Isaiah – the Pacers have so many centers right now behind Miles with the roster currently constructed as it is. If they move off somebody uh, before the season starts, that wouldn't surprise me. But with Tice and Jalen Smith and Isaiah there backing up Miles, those minutes are going to be hard to come eh, come by. So I'm I'm really just hoping for Isaiah that he can prove that he's more than just a lob threat guy that can block shots. Um, the rebounding has to get better. He's, he's got to just figure out different ways to be more of a polished player and not just an athletic player. Because I, I think sometimes you look at guys that maybe don't have the same as, amount of athleticism, but they're just very smart, high-Q basketball guys. And I just haven't got that vibe yet from Isaiah Jackson. So for me, yeah, what he put up tonight was great. The A-Files is a little bit concerning, even though it's just summer league. Um, I think the vision for him is to allow him to play with this young core, but at the same time, I think the leash is going to be short because there's guys behind him or maybe ahead of him that might earn the minutes because Carlisle probably trusts them more. So, you know, they, they invested what they could in Jalen Smith by bringing him back on a two-year deal with a player option when he could have gone elsewhere. And I don't know if they're ready to punt on Jalen uh, yet, but I think those two are going to have to battle it out because I don't see Tice here long-term. And this could be the year for both Jalen and Isaiah to kind of campaign to be the backup center behind Miles. I have a handful more questions about the roster. Do you have time to stick around for an extra five minutes here, Alex? Yeah, we can do that. Awesome. Uh, we're going to have more with Alex Golden setting the pace. When we come back, we'll talk about Kevin Pritchard and the offseason. And if the roster is set, if, if this is what we see right now, the 23-24 Pacers. More on the blue and gold when we return. It's Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana. With this Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard update, I'm Eddie Garrison. Cincinnati Reds today, they defeated the Milwaukee Brewers 8-5, and Ellie De La Cruz is a big reason why. He stole not only second, but he also stole third, and then this. He takes off again. Pitch down and in. Fame throw. There's no chance. Two steals. De La Cruz had already looked a couple of times at Brian Anderson, knowing that if he got a jump, he's going. Terrific call by John Sadak on Bally Sports Ohio with Jeff Brantley, a.k.a. the Cowboy. Ellie De La Cruz became the first Reds player since 1919 to steal all three bases in an inning. And the fascinating part about it with Ellie De La Cruz is that he stole those three bases on two pitches and on one throw. Oh, yeah. That's some next-level stuff. Other scores, the Cleveland Guardians topped the Kansas City Royals 10-6. They've won three straight over the Royals. They go for the four-game series sweep tomorrow afternoon. Amid Rosario had three hits. Josh Naylor had three hits. Jose Ramirez scored twice despite only having one hit. Josh Bell also had three hits. Bo Naylor with three hits. It was a big day. 18 total hits for those 10 reds for the Guardians, who are now 45 and 44. And the good news for Guardians fans? They'll have their ace of the staff and Shane Bieber on the mound tomorrow afternoon in aspirations of going for the four-game sweep. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Thanks, Eddie Garrison, for that fine update. Have plenty more of those coming your way for the last 90 minutes of the show. But for now, we rejoin 
Alex Golden and continue our blue and gold conversation. He is the co-host of Setting the Pace and Indiana wins their summer league debut for the 23-24 season by knocking off the Wizards tonight, 93-81. I had mentioned Kevin Pritchard, Alex, and I think even he said as much or at least alluded to as much. I think they wanted to take a big swing this offseason, and I'll use a baseball analogy, I guess, on top of another one. It just feels like maybe they didn't get the pitch that they wanted to hit, right? They were looking for something to swing at and didn't feel like they got that pitch, notably on draft night, the frustration of not being able to kind of move around there. Are you still content with what Pritchard in the front office did if this is indeed the 23-24 roster as it stands right now yeah i think i think the best way to look at this too is like you could tell pritchard wanted to swing a little bit bigger when we had chad buchanan on our podcast he said well what will happen with how we build this roster is what what's available to us and i always go back to that because yeah you might want to swing big but if the pieces are moving because we really haven't seen a ton of big names move yeah dame lillard's names in the trade market so is james harden and we saw a lot of moves last uh season with Kyrie and Durant being moved, but we haven't seen a ton of major player movement. I don't feel like at least, I mean, I don't, I don't consider Porzingis that kind of uh, player to like really freak out about, but I, I do think the Pacers have a good roster. And I think one thing that they did that was really smart was they got players that fit what they're trying to do without getting long-term money tied up. So the Bruce Brown contract, $45 million for two years, but year two being a team option, going out and getting Obi Toppin for basically Chris Duarte. Uh, Obi Toppin will be a restricted free agent, so you own his bird rights. Get a year to see what he can do, and if it doesn't work out, then you can you know move off of him and you know still have the roster spot and the cap space to, to make other moves. So if the roster stays the way that it is, I still think they're good enough to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be a team that you know makes it maybe to round two or round three, but they can definitely be competitive in a round one playoff series and get these young guys some development and some experience. But I think what they did with what they were able to do, I mean, it made a ton of sense. And I think they're in a a much better spot than they were last year, just talent wise. Is Buddy Heald, if you had to bet on it today, is he on the Pacers roster in March of 24? Oh man, I would, it's tough because I look at this team and how they're balanced, and if he doesn't start, uh, I think he could be a really beneficial scorer for this team because I'm worried about their bench scoring based on the roster they put together if him and Matherin both were to start just because I don't see a lot of scorers on this team um, with that second unit. So I think he is a little bit more important to us than maybe he is across the league. I mean, you're talking about a plus 40% three-point shooter that – fits in perfectly with Rick Carlisle's system and next to Tyrese Halliburton. So I, I think they might just ride this one out and then try to re-sign him in free agency. But being able to have an expiring contract does help them with their flexibility next summer once Halliburton's extension kicks in because a lot of these contracts they have, they could you know, not pick up, the, pick up their capital, they could release their capital, and then maybe go out there and get a bigger swing if someone like OG and Anobi became available next summer if he does not opt into that player option. What I worry about is that, I, I don't know if I say worry about, but I, I've seen what they've done in the past in trying to kind of line up ages. You know, like we, we, we sort of saw that with like the Brogdon, Warren, that group, where they, they seem mm-hmm. to try to line up the core players. And as good as Heald is, I mean, he's a very good NBA player. Um, 
I just worry age-wise about him kind of lining up. Look, I, I know you can't just have a roster of 23 and 24-year-olds, right? But um, I, lining up with the core of this team if you're going to talk about a long-term extension. No, and I get that. I mean, it might not be a four-year type thing. It could be a two-year type thing mm-hmm. where it's like similar to Bruce Brown's contract or maybe a little bit less money because he is a little bit older than Bruce Brown is right now. He'll be 32 probably going into the next offseason. So a two-year contract to kind of be a guy off the bench I can shoot. I mean, we see guys last in this league longer age-wise each year, it feels like. And especially Buddy Hill, this guy doesn't miss games. He's, he's very durable and he's good at what he does, and I think you know that. So you're not really guessing with what he is, and I think that's what makes him such a special player. But shooters are valuable across the league. Um, I just don't know if people value him as much as the Pacers do because of what he brings to the table with Tyrese. But I, I understand the concerns a little bit with the age, but at the same time, it's never a bad thing to have a veteran in the locker room that's hungry yeah. because if there's anything about Buddy Hill, this guy's hungry to get back to winning basketball because he's never really got to experience that. Dude's a fantastic teammate by all accounts, too. I mean, you saw yeah, him in, in Vegas there, sitting with every he's a well-liked guy in that locker room. Uh, last thing here, Alex, I saved the best thing for last. I think probably the other 29 NBA teams were like, hey, what's the big deal about this Halliburton contract extension? Like, why are Pacers fans throwing a parade over this? Not knowing, you know, what Pacers fans have been through with the so-called oh. franchise players here recently. You know, you've been through it. You were through it just like a lot of people with the, the Paul George situation and then into the Victor Oladipo situation. Uh, what did last week mean to put pen to paper and, and know that Tyrese Halliburton, at the very least, is under contract with his team through his 29th birthday? Yeah, I'll say this, and I'm not trying to be dramatic, but as a Pacer fan, lifelong Pacer fan, I did get a little bit emotional hearing him talk about loving this franchise, finding out it was a five-year extension with no player option, uh, with a 15% trade kicker, and he asked Carlisle, he said, you know, how many years did you say I was going to be here? And he said, six more years. He said, hopefully it's longer than that. And I think that was just music to every Pacer fan's ears because we've yet to hear a former face of the franchise really come out and just openly state their love for Indiana, especially for a team that's not won anything with Tyrese either. At least with, you know, Paul George and Oladipo, those guys had success early on and were in the playoffs competing, so that made it feel like they wanted to be here. But this is Tyrese just knowing that he's the guy and he embraces every part of what it takes to be the franchise guy. And, you know, the way that the Pacers front office has treated him compared to other stars, I think they've learned from their past mistakes as well. Mm -hmm. And Rick Carlisle has done a fantastic job kind of leading this franchise, in my opinion, uh, being that voice in between the players and, and the front office, being able to be a guy that can talk with both sides and probably understand both sides a little bit better. So, yeah, I mean, I got a little teary-eyed whenever I saw Tyrese up there talking about that, him talking about his mother, getting emotional. It's like this guy has just raised the right way. Pritchard said it best, you know, you have good people sometimes and you have good basketball players. Well, we got both, and I totally agree with that. I think Tyrese is just – it's really hard to say anything bad about him. He's just the perfect face of the franchise, especially for a small market team that has desperately needed someone to take ownership and, and love this franchise the way it deserves to be loved. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it's an overreaction to get emotional at all. I mean, in the last eight or nine seasons, this maybe isn't saying much. It, it was probably the best day that the Pacers have had in the last eight or nine seasons, right? Uh, certainly from a celebratory standpoint to, to know that you've locked up your franchise. At Alex Golden NBA, are you on threads, my man? I, I feel like I need to mention people's threads accounts now along with their Twitter. 
But uh, follow Alex on every social media platform. How about that? Setting the pace on all major podcast yeah. platforms as well. Thanks so much, man. Really appreciate the time today. Yes, I appreciate it, man. And you sound great back on the radio, so glad to have you on, man. Yeah, it's like riding a bike, you know? It's not that It's not that hard. It's not rocket science or anything. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, but it's, it's great to hear you. I love your opinion, so keep up the great work, Dick. That's Alex Golden. He's great. Um, he and Fachi do a great job with setting the pace, uh, like I mentioned, on all major podcast platforms, and uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion for the rest of this offseason, not only about the summer league, but then we'll get into camp and what this depth chart is going to look like. Uh, there are some players on this roster right now that have clearly defined roles. Like we know Tyrese Halliburton is the the engine that makes the offense go. He's the franchise player. We know Benedict Matherin is going to have a huge role. We know that Bruce Brown Jr. is going to have a huge role, who they just spent a ton of money on coming into free agency, and some of the other franchise stalwarts, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, the veteran guys, they're going to have huge roles. But when you get to the back, the middle of the back of this roster, as we talked about with Alex, what's Isaiah Jackson going to be? Um, what do they envision for Ben Shepard? Is he going to have a role on this year's team as a rookie, a first-round pick? You know, that's a guy that we're kind of forgetting about a little bit. Who's Obi Toppin going to be? Is Obi Toppin going to be the guy that that isn't worth playing like he wasn't in New York, according to Tibbs? Or is he going to be a guy that not only plays but starts for the Pacers? Maybe he starts at the four and keeps that job. I don't know. I'm not shut off to that. Lots of intrigue, lots of excitement. We'll talk more Pacers later on the show. Next, we'll get an Indianapolis Indians recap from our good friend Howard Kelman. It's Indiana Sports Talk, Network Indiana. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This Indiana Sports Talk scoreboard updates. I'm Eddie Garrison. Let's recap. The Pacers' seventh game from tonight, 91-83 winners were the Pacers over the Washington Wizards from Las Vegas. Benedict Matherin led all scores with 27 points. He struggled in terms of efficiency from the field, 9 of 21 and 3 of 10 from downtown, so he was 6 of 11 on two-point shots. He made all six of his free throw attempts, and he was able to corral five rebounds. Isaiah Jackson had 21 points on 10 of 12 shooting. He did not attempt to three, and he also had 14 rebounds for the Indiana Pacers and three blocks. In the craziest stat of this game, he had eight personal fouls. Picks up two more. You're looking at a double foul out there, but it's summer league and foul outs don't exist, so that's a good thing that's in the rules because that allows players to stay on the court. Jarris Walker made his Pacers debut for Indiana. 3 of 13, he struggled offensively, but he was fantastic defensively. He totaled 8 points, had 13 rebounds, 5 assists, and he had 3 steals and 3 blocks. Andrew Nimhard, the only other Pacer in today's game in double figures, he had 14 points. Off the bench, Isaiah Wong played 17 minutes. He had 6 points. Mojave King only played 2 minutes. Those are the two second-round picks were the Indiana Pacers. A second-round pick from last year in Kendall Brown. He played 20 minutes. He had nine points and four rebounds on four or six shooting. And Oscar Shibway, he was an undrafted rookie free agent signing. He played eight minutes and had five points. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Eddie Garrison. Welcome back, Indiana Sports Talk. Network Indiana, thanks so much for joining us. Filling in for the Hall of Famer, Bob Lovell. I am not in any fall Hall of Fame. My name is Derek Schultz. 
Kylan Talley. I'm not sure if Kylan's in any Hall of Fames, are you? We're on the way. Okay, good. <laughs> not quite yet. You're still young. Hold on to that youth. <laughs> Eddie Garrison's got a Hall of Fame voice on the update desk. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Howard Kelman is... I think he's in some Hall of Fames. If he's not in a Hall of Fame yet, he will be. A longtime voice of the Indianapolis Indians. Tough one for the Tribe tonight. They give up three runs in the ninth and fall to Memphis, eight to seven. I can't help but feel like Howard. I might be a little bit of a bad luck charm. Tribe has started to play some good baseball here the last, I don't know, 14, 15 games or so, and then a real heartbreaker tonight at Victory Field. Well, yes, you're exactly right, Derek. The Indians were an out away from winning the game. They had a one-run lead, two outs in the ninth, then a base hit, tied it up, and then Nick Raposo singled in two more runs, and Memphis took an 8-6 to six lead. The Indians got a run back in the bottom of the ninth when Miguel Andujar singled in a man, and that made it 8-7, to seven, but Ryan Vallade flied out. Now, one of the reasons why it's such a tough loss is the Indians got five runs in the second inning. And they were ahead 5 nothing. Chris Owings' two-run homer capped off the five-run inning. But then they didn't have a shutdown inning. Memphis got three in the third, chipped away. We were 5-5 going to the bottom of the sixth when Aaron Shackelford homered to right center for the Indians. So they had a 6-5 lead, and they took that lead until there were two outs in the ninth inning. So you got to remind yourself that the other team is getting paid yeah, you're not. You're definitely right about that. How do they like Miguel Andujar? You know, here's a guy that's essentially trying to resurrect his career in, in a way. He came on strong early, you know, five, six years ago. I think it was the 2018 season where he was a very productive player for the Yankees and then, you know, kind of fell off and, and fell on hard times. The, the Pirates took him in last year and, and now, of course, with the Indianapolis Indians. From the people that you've talked to within the organization and, and with the Indians as well, Howard, what have they had to say about Miguel Andujar? Well, he's tearing it up. He's hitting. He's leading the league in hitting, I think, right now. He was hitting three fifty-seven before the game tonight, and he got three hits tonight. And he's tearing it up, but he has been designated for assignment twice by the Pirates this year. And I think they've got their minds made up. They're not paying attention to what – I don't think they care what he's done here. They know what they saw up there, mm-hmm. and so he's not getting another chance. Now, there are 29 other teams out there, and i got to think somebody should give this guy a chance. And you're right, it was 2018, great rookie season at third base for the Yankees. He was second to Ichiro in Rookie of the Year yeah, ballot. Right. So – I would hope that someone else would give him a chance the way he's playing here. Yeah, and still just 28 years old. You know, you you would think that there was uh, another act in the career for Miguel and Duhar. Uh, Last thing here, Howard, I I know that you would know this if this has ever happened. Ellie De La Cruz stole second, third, and home in the span of two pitches. Uh, To your knowledge, has that ever happened before? Have you ever heard of something like that ever happening? No. No, it's just the kid is absolutely incredible. My only disappointment, when the Indians played Louisville earlier this year, he was hurt, so I didn't get to see him play at all in Louisville. But what he has done for that ball club, and there have been other players too, don't get me wrong, but the, the shot of adrenaline he's given that team, what the Reds are doing is mind-boggling because 
they're doing it without great pitching. Mm-hmm. Anybody who has any kind of sustained run always has good pitching, and they're not getting really good pitching, but they're coming from behind, and they're hitting, and it's been great. And it's just great to watch fun Reds baseball again. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you're watching baseball to be entertained, right? It's a game. It's fun. And, uh, man, the, the Reds are about as fun to watch as any team. Uh, the Indians continue their series with Memphis tomorrow at Victory Field. IndyIndians.com for tickets and info there should be another great day at the ballpark. Thanks so much, Howard. Derek, as always, thank you very much. It's our friend Howard Kelman. We'll wrap up hour number two next. More Pacers talk and more to come here on Indiana Sports Talk. Always great to hear from Howard Kelman. I knew that if someone knew that a player in Major League Baseball history had stolen second, third, and home in the span of two pitches, Howard Kelman would know. And if Howard says that he can't remember that ever happening, then that means that it's never happened. And I still haven't seen anything on Twitter or on threads. Can we talk about threads later in the show today? I I have some thoughts on threads that I want to get to. Um, That's kind of sports related, right? If you're in sports media, Twitter and threads is probably more relevant to your life than just about anybody else. Because I I feel like in sports media, it's kind of the last bastion, just news media in general, but certainly on a sports end, especially where Twitter is still relevant. Because you get this this idea of uh, how important you are based on follower count, and then you realize that like there's a very very small fraction of people that are actually regular Twitter users. I think they did a study on this. I don't even remember where it was, and and study may be the wrong word here, but let, let's just roll with it. They they did some research on this, and they determined that a quote unquote heavy heavy Twitter user tweeted three or four times a week that was a heavy user i mean i tweet three or four times before i like fully get out of bed i think some mornings so i'm beyond a heavy twitter user it's the last thing that i check before i go to bed it's the first thing that i check when i wake up but i know and and i have in the grand scheme of things i have kind of a meager following but um, you know some of these followings where people are like well i, I have fifty thousand people that follow me Man, I would be surprised if of a person with 50,000 followers, I would be surprised if 5,000 people regularly interact with that person. That's 10%. I, I mean, I'd almost be surprised if it was 5%. And I think we're kind of seeing that with the way that, that Twitter has gone here, where it's it's starting to sort of sink in relevancy. We're waiting for something else to jump on. And look, it's been, it hasn't even been a week yet of threads, right? I'm, I'm not going to jump into the, we were just talking about like Harold Miner and these fly by night, but Jeremy Lynn, like, I don't want threads to be the Jeremy Lynn of social media. Like, let's let this play out a little bit longer here, but clearly it's a threat. Certainly more than Mastodon. I signed up for Mastodon like six months ago and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> what, what do I do here? Uh, where do I go? Who are all of these people? And Threads is much easier to kind of navigate and, and sort of figure out. Maybe I'll leave it at that. Maybe that'll be our only Threads discussion for tonight. We've got a third hour to get to uh, more on the Pacers. We haven't even had time to run down the headlines today. We've been so guest heavy. We'll do that when we return, plus another update coming your way from Eddie Garrison after the top of the hour. 
here on Indiana Sports Talk. Hope you're enjoying a great summer Saturday night in Indiana. Thanks for spending at least a portion of it with us here on Indiana Sports Talk. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.